A-plusers. Guys, welcome back to a brand new episode of A-plus Opinions, your home for your nerd pop culture news and reviews. As always, guys, it is your host, Adam Perez, and I am back with a brand new episode review as we're going to be getting into Doom Patrol Season 1, Episode number 2, titled Donkey Patrol. But fear not, guys. I know last week it was just me manning the desk, but this week, I have my partner in crime. He is, in fact, back with us, guys. Indy Uchiha. What's going on, Indy? Hee-haw. Hee-haw. <laughs> I, was honestly, <laughs> I was honestly thinking, I was like, I need to get a donkey sound for this week's episode. But they, I appreciate you you substituting, man. Hey, man. Hey, I'm, I'm digging Doom Patrol. Um, I don't know if I like it more than what I ended up liking Titans. But then again, I'm looking at Titans as a whole season. But uh, I'll tell you one thing, Doom Patrol got me spitting out my water a couple of times while I'm watching it. Yeah, man, the, the humor in here is pretty spot on. It's 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 epic in its own strange, quirky way, and I'm really, really digging it. But I, I know you were not here for our episode one breakdown. Um, so what I wanted to do real quick before we get into our, our episode two breakdown, real quick, Indy, just let me know, what are some of the things you appreciated about last week's episode? What did you like, what you didn't like? Um, and how are you just really digging the, the brand new original series from the DC universe? Titans writers, this is how you do origins. Don't make me wait eight episodes to figure out what the who these characters are and what their abilities are. It should only take a pilot for me to be introduced to these characters. I love the way they broke down everybody. I love the time that they took with Robot Man. Man, and Br Brendan Fraser is just, I, I don't know. Like I was iffy with the casting, perfect. Perfect casting. Every casting in here is perfect. I thought the young lady playing Crazy Jane, who was on um, Orange is the New Black, I felt like when I was watching on Orange, I was like, man, she can't act. I ain't gonna lie. Man, she <laughs> is killing it. She, she really is killing it, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm really appreciative of the time that they took to really set up a world. You know what I'm saying? That's amazing. They gave us our villain. They gave us a donkey. <laughs> they gave us our soon to be heroes. And they set us on a story that is just going to, that feels like, we're jumping right into it and we're just ready to go. They was like, strap in, you're on this roller coaster. Pilot is climbing to the top and episode two, we're diving straight in. Yeah, completely agree, man. I um, I absolutely love this season premiere. I truly did. I'm in the same boat with you. Like, I'm not quite ready yet just to kind of compare it to Titans. Uh, but as far as season premieres go, yeah, Doom Patrol completely blew it out of the water. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, though, because of the fact that Doom Patrol production-wise did come later than Titans, do you think by any chance that they had the opportunity to at least look at Titans and make any sort of course corrections or correct anything in the process of Doom Patrol so it, it, so it is more successful, especially really DC Universe's second original series? Yeah, you mean have one of their lead characters do more than just turn into a tiger? <laughs> I think they did a lot. Um, now, all jokes aside, the production value of this uh, is on par with, to me, with a Netflix, you know what I'm saying, series that's been mm -hmm. on for a while. It looks right. really good. It's only little things that catch you that make you feel like hey, you that sci-fi-ish, that sci-fi channel-ish, you know, like uh, Robot Man, uh, when he's sitting, in, when they're looking at the body and he's sitting in the chair, they keep cutting them on and off. You know, you, you could tell All that's right. straight CG, but 
later in the episode, you know what I'm saying? In the second episode, you start to see how everything's gonna look. They gotta be breaking the bank on Robot Man. They gotta be breaking the bank on Crazy Jane. Because <laughs> because that's, I mean, dude, the, 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 the effects and everything that they're doing, it, it's gotta be costing money. I Watch and mark my words, later in the season, I wanna see if we see as much Robot Man as we saw <laughs> so you think they're you think they're using up their whole budget at the beginning half of the season just to get us in, to get us in. Like, hey he, he's got to go go walk somewhere or go do something for a couple of episodes you they're know, like guys we they're like guys we had one spaceship in titans okay we gotta reel them in with some bigger special effects this show it, it's like uh what was it it's like game of thrones when the dragons will go missing for six episodes <laughs> i think it's budget cuts <laughs> yeah budget cuts <laughs> well, man, I'm I'm really glad that you appreciated uh, episode one of Doom Patrol. For from what I've been able to see, I feel like everybody that has watched the show has absolutely fallen in love with it. So I really do feel that the DC Universe uh, streaming service has got a huge hit on their hands. Seven ninety nine a month. If you have not subscribed, you've got a whole season of uh, uh, Titans. You've got a half a season of Young Justice, and now you've got Doom Patrol. I feel like Doom Patrol at least. Would you say Doom Patrol alone is worth the $7.99 a month? Yes. Yes. I'd be to be honest with you, I would say Young Justice alone is worth the uh $7.99 a month. Um, but like you said, the combination of all this content that we got so far, included with the comments and the uh old DC uh shows, I was I watching Smallville on there or was I watching Smallville Probably. or something else? It might have been on there, I think. Yeah, it's just just the nostalgia fact, I mean, we played $13.99 for Netflix to watch the same exact stuff, you know what I'm saying, as Geeks and Nerds. When you get $7.99, you can watch it all right there. Yeah, and I and, and honestly, I do feel at this particular point with Doom Patrol, production-wise, at least being better than what it was for Titans, I can honestly see a lot of the other shows, Swamp Thing and Stargirl, uh, just being even better and just growing on Doom Patrol's success alone. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to it, man. But let's get into episode two. Are you ready to break this down with me, Andy? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm all for it. Let's get into it. All right, awesome, man. So... We start off this particular week's episode being narrated once again by Alan Tudyk, who's playing Mr. Nobody, who's, for me at least, I'm absolutely loving this season so far, two episodes in. But he's recapping technically what we saw in last week's episode and leading us into what the introduction of this episode is, which is the destruction of Cloverton. Um, quick honorable mention, did you see the talking cockroach this week, Indy? Yes, I did. I thought I saw something. I, I was like, what is that? That, that was weird. So I rewound it a little bit just so I catch it again. And I honestly thought it was a grasshopper. So thanks for clarifying <laughs> it was a cockroach. Yeah, total, totally a cockroach. So when, when I saw it, I honestly thought that this this had to be like an Easter egg, right? Like it had to be a Doom Patrol character or comic book series or whatever the case may be. But this character, uh, he actually goes by the name of Ezekiel the Cockroach. He's actually an original character that was created by the showrunner, Jeremy Craver, I believe his name is. Uh, Jeremy Carver. Um, he did things like uh, um, uh, Being Human, I think. He's also done a couple seasons of Supernatural. And he actually created this character himself. But the fact that I thought it was a Doom Patrol character, 
almost for me makes me just tell me that this character almost seemingly fits into this universe. Like it didn't even phase me that there was like a talking cockroach in this episode. No, it's definitely something that would fit into here. And uh, you could tell, especially I was a huge fan of being human. You know, I'm a supernatural fanatic. So you could tell and supernatural is another one. They kill the special effects. Being human killed the special effects. So having somebody that's helmed series like that doing something like Doom Patrol, you feel a little comfortable. You feel a little safe. You know, you don't mind spending that seven ninety nine knowing that experience is there. For real. So yeah. So it was it was definitely a pleasant surprise to kind of see this like this uh, doomsday prophet of a cockroach like pleading to this huge warping hole in the middle of Cloverton uh, as we see Doom patrols standing in the uh, standing in the street trying to save some of the civilians that are being sucked up into this particular void. Um, and we get to see Crazy Jane showcasing off some of her abilities in here as we as we are certainly coming to learn that. Crazy Jane just is not 64 personalities. She's 64 personalities that actually do have abilities of their own. And so we get to see her super strength here in the beginning of this episode. You get to see, you can either call it uh, her create courageousness or stupidity by jumping into the wormhole, trying to go ahead and rescue the chief on her own. Um, this was a pretty epic sort of um, introduction here to this particular week's episode of seeing the destruction of Cloverton. And honestly, one of my favorite parts of this scene is just seeing Robot Man just completely freak out to all the devastation that's going on around him. What did you think about the introduction here for this week? I actually thought the introduction is really good. Um, I love just the breaking the fourth wall. Uh, I, I really felt like, now we see people like Deadpool, we see other characters do it all the time. But I really felt like he was talking directly to me. The entire oh, time. yeah. If you oh, didn't yeah. understand anything that happened in the first episode, let me tell you how this is. And let me tell you exactly what's going on. If you were too dumb to follow along. Like, he had me <laughs> feeling like, okay, I didn't understand anything. Thank you for letting me know. And yeah. I'm still trying to figure out what the heck is going on with this damn donkey. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just really good. And it's funny and it's entertaining and it's just it's a good time uh and also like coming off of darkness of titans and to, to be honest some of the darkness of young justice just having a fun good time but actually telling a story you know it, it's just it's good when it comes to uh superhero uh tv shows because everything lately whether it's marvel or dc is dark yeah, at this particular point, man, and and, and I'm glad I'm glad that you said that in regards to like the idea of Alan Tudyk as far as like narrating this, because for me it was honestly it was a, a really welcome sort of recap of the episode and the fact that he does he really does sort of break the fourth wall because I think he even mentions the idea of like the DC Universe service uh, or something like that. Like he 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 literally uh, does kind of break the fourth wall while he's talking to you, but then he's also talking to the chief also at the same time, which I really want to see what their history is like. The fact that uh, Mr. Nobody even refers to him as like old friend, um, you know that these two characters have some sort of past behind them. I I'm really intrigued to kind of see how their paths have crossed before we get to their particular point in time here in this episode. Um, so have you been really impressed with what Alan Tudyk's been able to bring um, as Mr. Nobody? Very, very impressed, but it's something that I knew of someone of his character was going to be able to do regardless, because every role that I've ever seen him in, he really owns that role. 
no matter how little, how big it is. So I knew his casting above anybody else's going to knock it out the park. Yeah, it's one of the, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's one of those things where it's like, you know how good Alan Tudyk is. And then even when you watch it, it still surprises you like, damn, this guy is so freaking good. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm loving his ability set. It, it seems as though he's got, he's, he's almost like power, like God power, like in a sense. Uh, this man seemingly can kind of move reality or do whatever he wants to reality at like the snap of his fingers. Um, so his power level is, is vastly greater than anything else that we've seen on this show so far. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I'm really excited to kind of see what else he has in store for us, especially the route that he winds up taking our characters in this episode, like Cyborg and Rita and Larry also, just seeing what he's able to do with their mind while he's still narrating their story in this episode. I I'm really loving the way that they're just handling the villain of Mr. Nobody here so far. Definitely. And probably the best villain I've seen in the DC universe in a very, very long time. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and uh, yeah, because right now, at least for me, and I've talked about this before, Tobias is still my favorite. But I'm thinking, honestly, besides Tobias at this point, Mr. Nobody's got to be on that list. But is Tobias really a villain? Yeah, Tobias is an asshole. Okay, <laughs> let's not get this sugar coated. Tobias is a is a mean bastard. All right, there's there's no sugar coating that man. He's a villain. There's no Killmonger with that. Where maybe he's not a villain. There's no, there's no Thanos. Where maybe he's right. You got no, no. You gotta show me a past of Tobias that will make me feel what I did for Killmonger. Like Killmonger, I can understand that man's like anger and frustration. I, I can understand we'll, we'll, where Killmonger is coming from, but Tobias, Tobias hasn't shown me anything in his past that has made me be like, okay, I can see why you want to rip somebody's spine out of their back and there's nothing that he can tell me. That'll tell, change my mind. So where do you feel Mr. Nobody falls like some in between that spectrum of Killmonger and Tobias? I mean, I would still put them, I would still put them above Mr. Nobody until I learn a little bit more about him. But what I love about Mr. Nobody is the fact that this man comes out of the gate swinging. Like, he, like he, he's almost giving you a warning shot. Like just looking at his power set and what he's capable of doing, this is, this is him like just playing around. He's teasing. Like I don't even think we've even seen what he's fully capable of at this particular point in time. Like I think he's just doing his best to kind of scare the Doom Patrol characters from coming after the chief as best as he possibly can. But I, I don't even think we've seen the limit of what this guy can do. Uh, do you believe that that is fully Mr. Nobody's power set or could he possibly be working with other people? Um, I want to say he's a one man army, but I could be wrong. I don't I don't I don't I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you as far as Mr. Nobody's history and his past. I'm not sure comic book wise his his lore. Um, but what I've seen from him so far within two episodes, I, I'm really on board with. But I, I, I haven't really seen anything for me to think that he's accompanied by anybody else. But maybe I'm wrong. Like when I look at his his donkey, I, I think his donkey is just another embodiment of him in a sense. Like I feel like that's more of if he wanted to take a physical form, I think he could probably just pick and choose any form that he wants to take. And and that's him. Like that's that's his whole embodiment in general. The, the living Rubik's cube. He could become any form that he wants to become. 
I need, yeah, one, maybe of, I need like one of these fans who are watching right now that knows about the Doom Patrol to, to, to hit us up. You know what I'm saying? Give us some knowledge down there in the comments and let us let us know something about Mr. Mr. Nobody. Because I really don't want to go ahead and read and spoil it for myself because I like the fact that this is something fresh that I really don't know about and I'm experiencing it for the first time. But if there's something that they can give me that lets me, you know, just understand the character a little bit more without giving anything away, it'll be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm sure somebody will definitely go ahead and, and shoot that in the comment section box below, man. I feel like I honestly feel like sometimes our, our viewers are more knowledgeable about the stuff than, than we are at times. But yeah, this is what I love, though, about DC Universe's streaming service. The fact that we get the opportunity to see characters that you and I may not necessarily be that um, familiar with but are having their stories told to us in this media that for us looking back as an outsider looking in, we're just eating this stuff up because they're just doing such a fantastic job. So I'm really glad in the direction that they're they're going so far. But, um, and just to kind of wrap up the introduction in here, the, another thing that we do notice is that every after everything that's been done with Cloverton, uh, Rita and Larry absolutely want nothing to do with anything here in this week's episode. Like they really do their best to kind of stay as far out of it as they can. But of course, being a superhero show, right? Like they got to manage to find their way back into everything. Yeah, definitely. Larry was even trying to leave. He was like, look, I'm I'm gone. A whole town just disappeared. I want nothing at all to do with this. And and that's and that's the humor aspect of the show too, right? Like the fact that when he when he tries to leave and the negative man comes out of his body and he just drops dead and then you just see him going back after ticket after ticket. Like the destination changing will make a difference sort of thing. Yeah, like maybe that maybe that's somewhere else he wants to go. Like, like tell <laughs> yeah. me where you want to go. Yeah. <laughs> But it's just it's just a, it's just little things like that in regards to the humor just that just really ca like as, as quirky and strange as this show is the little things of humor in between to kind of break all that up and just make just bring things back to being more relatable. I, I absolutely love that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I love the humor in here. I do want to talk about the man of the hour in this week's episode, not Leo Rush, but Mr. Cyborg. We get him introduced. Um, out in out in Detroit of all places. Shout out to maybe a possible team up in the future between Cyborg and Robin at some point. That'd be really great. But we see him in Detroit helping uh, a young lady who's being, I guess, mugged or robbed at the ATM trying to get all her cash. What did you think about the first introduction here to Cyborg, who, mind you, is played by, I believe it's Joven Wade. Am I saying that? Joven Ward? Let me pull that up again. Hold on one uh, second. I think it might be Ward. We got the Joven part. Wade, Wade, Joven Wade. There we go. Okay. Um, so we have a cyborg who's being played by Joven Wade, who's a British, a British actor. Did you even know he had a British accent? British actors do Americans better than Americans do Americans. For real. Like I was like, when I found that out, I was like, are you kidding me? Another British guy who sounds completely American. They're, they they yeah. do it so well, man. Yeah. Uh I loved it. Uh real subtle and soft, you know, introduction. Um uh what would you say, a, a semi-polished cyborg, somebody who has a little bit of experience. So we're not getting the same cyborg that we get in Young Justice, who's fresh and new. We get somebody who's been doing this for a little bit, actually trying to become a member of the Justice League, which I think his dad said that maybe in five years, if he keeps up with what he's yeah, doing, he'll be able to get it, man. That, that's a heck of a plan. I feel like I'm in school. Like I had a five-year plan that his dad's got a plan out <laughs> for him. Yeah, five-year plan. Yeah, but we, we get to see the connection that he has with um what's going on. And it's I love the fact that they just throw it back and take the Star Labs in Detroit, you know. 
I, I love that connection because they, I think they did the same thing in Young Justice. I think they went to Star Labs in Detroit oh, okay, too Detroit, one time yeah. in Young Justice. I believe they did. I'm not going to say it. I might be wrong. It's been a minute. You know, I'll go back later. But it's just they eased him in. They didn't force him in, you know, because I feel like the episode, they let Robot Man lead the entire episode and just kind of let uh, Cyborg, or I'm sorry, Vic Stone, ease himself into being you know what I'm saying, in the main picture. Yeah, there's something about his introduction in here that I really appreciated, and especially because of the fact that they they almost, they almost really link him up already to um, Niles Cauldron, the chief. Um, so there's already uh, a history connecting these two particular teams. Like, even though Cyborg's never met Doom Patrol, he at least knows who the creator is. And so the fact that the chief and his father, Silas uh, Silas Stone, have that connection and that bond, um, I thought it was a really great way to just have him just really fluidly just fall into in, into place here. Um, but you're right. He is a polished, uh, I don't want to say a vet at this point just yet, but he definitely has some experience under his belt. And I love the fact that it allows him to Kind of, I don't want to say take control of the Doom Patrol, but he definitely adds a much sense of leadership to that group that the Doom Patrol at this point just does not have. Um, there's something that Mr. Nobody says in the beginning of this episode where he says, like, this team is lacking finesse. Like, they have no finesse or anything to kind of bring them together or even know what to do as a team. And I think that's where Cyborg comes in because this guy immediately just kind of takes this leadership role, right? Like when we do see him meet, you know, get to Cloverton, um, you know, he's he, he's talking to um, Robot Man, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you being such an idiot? Why are you doing all the wrong things sort of thing? Um, but he does, I mean, he I, I clearly doesn't come out and call him an idiot or anything like that, but you can see that Cyborg would know what to do in that circumstance, whereas somebody like Robot Man clearly has honestly no idea what he's doing. So the fact that we have a Cyborg coming in to kind of be, and I'm assuming that's the role that he's probably going to take for the remainder of the season as leader, maybe to kind of fully form this Doom Patrol into not just a family, but also a team. What do you think about that? I think that's really what it is. I think it's not a maybe not a role that he wants, but a role he's willing to accept because I don't know why I feel like it, but the person who's trying to run the farthest away to me always feels like they end up as the one who tries to, you know what I'm saying, be there and lead the team. So I kind of feel like it's going to be Larry, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. by the end of it. But uh, yeah, he it does seem like he's there to show at least the experience that he has. And you kind of saw that when he was working with the situation that was going on with um, Crazy Jane, how he took lead of that, sat down. Uh, the projector out the arm was a really dope, you know, what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Not, uh, talking to uh, Baby Doll. So it's going to be really interesting. I want to see how they, how they actually take, because this seems like a more serious cyborg than the, you know, comedic cyborg that even even in this in this show where it's a lot of jokes he didn't seem to joke a lot he seemed to take what he was doing very seriously and trying to find out what was happening to the chief and it's funny because nobody else other than him and robo seemed like they even cared about what was going on with the chief it was like no nah, chief gone he'll be all right he come back he always comes back <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah they, they were just like oh, it's okay he'll be back right like he goes all the time he always manages to make his way back facts but we'll, we'll see we'll see I'm, I'm interested to seeing more development in his character i want to see where this really goes because uh 
you don't know how good a, lead, a leader somebody's going to be until they hit that wall, you know, until they go up against that one thing where they feel like maybe they shouldn't lead and see how they go through that, make it through that type of uh, scenario. Yeah, and, I'm, and I think that also will add to the storyline between Vic and his father, because I almost feel like there's a lot that Cyborg has to not only prove to his father, but also to himself. And that is something that I really gravitated towards here in this episode also was um, just seeing that tension between these two. Uh, and that's tension that continues over from the comic books into this series. I mean, him and his father have always had this sort of tense relationship with each other, um, specifically based off of his father turning him into this cybernetic creature that he clearly didn't ask to be turned into. So there's definitely a lot of stuff there. And if you if you, if you you pay attention to Silas, he very much does have control over Cyborg's life to a certain extent, always keeping tracks on him, being able to contact him whenever he wants to, trying to be in his ear and keeping him focused on what it is that he needs to do. But for me, when I look at it, it almost feels like this is Silas tr trying to control Cyborg's life and doing and having Cyborg do just what Silas wants him to do. Um, like, and for instance, right, like there's a there's a scene in here where um, when they are inside this alternative alternate dimension by Mr. Nobody and Cyborg gives this like rousing speech about like why he is the person that he is um, talking about like he does all this stuff for his mom and whatever the case may be. I mean, even even Mr. Nobody was like, fantastic origin story. Like it, it was perfect. It was an absolutely perfect monologue that he wound up giving. But then at the end of the episode, Silas says the same exact thing to Cyborg like word for word for word and cyborg looks at him like ah like, like he like he knows something crazy is up like something is really weird just happened so i'm almost thinking like maybe maybe it's even gotten to the point to where silas has kind of implanted certain thoughts into his programming or to make him think certain things like i feel like maybe that's not even a natural thought that cyborg had maybe it's a, a memory or a thought that his father implanted into his process does that make sense am i just rambling or you get what i'm that's saying the, that's the same exact thing i was thinking just like when he said he activated privacy mode are you serious you think the guy that programmed you is going to give you a privacy mode that he can't see through yeah i think you have privacy yeah <laughs> yeah so that's the that's the kind of vibe that i'm getting and so i i i, I want to see cyborg take this opportunity to to separate himself from his father become his own man and yes while he does have goals to get to the justice league at some particular point in time why not in the process if you've got these four characters in doom patrol that you feel need your assistance because you're maybe more experienced at this than they are why not why not just become a part of that team and see what you can do at least as a leader of a team in some way. So uh, that's the direction I'm certainly hoping that Cyborg goes with, but I, I really love what they've at least planted here for us in this week's episode. Facts. I'm loving it so far. So we do see Cyborg coming along into the fray. You did mention the idea that he was trying to go ahead and speak with Crazy Jane, and we'll certainly talk about it here in just a second. But I do want to talk about the idea that Cyborg discovers that the donkey is actually the key to getting inside of this alternate dimension to where the whole entire town of Cloverton is at. And they managed to come up with this fantastic idea, or at least Cyborg doesn't come up with it. I think Alaska woman actually comes up with this idea herself and they just jump on board with this idea to kind of literally squeeze her down 
the throat of this donkey and get her inside of it. Trippy, trippy scene. Wouldn't you wouldn't you say just the idea of her her eye just going down this donkey's throat? Wasn't that pretty trippy, man? Yeah, very true, especially with the whole eyeball thing and all that. That, that was just, <laughs> yeah. I was eating at that point. So I immediately I was eating red beans and rice too. So like I immediately stopped eating and <laughs> just left it alone. But how else were you going to do it? That that was specifically put there just for her to get over her, I guess, her self-consciousness about her looks and just go ahead and do what she needed to do. So I like the fact that that was put there for her because it gave her something to do. Because I feel like other than destroying a store, uh, she's been pretty worthless. Like there's been nothing for her to do. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to implement her here in this uh, in this season, like what her full backstory is going to be like um, and exactly how or if she kind of learns how to control her abilities, because if she can control her abilities, then she doesn't become then she's not as worthless. Right. Yes. Yes. Facts. So I'm so I'm really hoping that's something that we get to see kind of developed a little bit more uh, instead of just this raw idea of well I can turn into putty and you can use me however you need me to and then just stuff her down some donkey's throat it was a little odd but I I really loved it so when we get the opportunity to see all of our characters finally into this world we are narrated once again by Mr Nobody that really is doing his best uh, to kind of use. Um, these characters' own personal dilemmas and their own struggles that they're struggling with against them. Um, so, for instance, with Rita, uh, we see Rita getting the opportunity to to be the star that she wanted to be, uh, you know, all along, sort of thing. But with that fame, certainly does come some sacrifices or some things that she's had to kind of sort of give up, or at least the fact that she tends to run away from things, what she's had to kind of run away from. And they even hinted at the idea of like like the idea of her walking to like this baby carriage that's crying. Do you think she probably had a child of her own that maybe she kind of ran away from when she wind up getting her abilities? Possibly, or it could be something more deep rooted about her when she was younger too. But she's so, I don't even know if she could have a child because of how self-conscious she was about her looks and everything like that. I don't even know if she would put her body through that because she was just so mm -hmm. into how she looked and trying to be a star. What lady who has a mindset like that has time for children or wants to put their body through that type of stress to have a child when they know looks mean everything for what they're trying to do? Yeah, you do. You do make a good point. So yeah, maybe maybe it's not necessarily a kid that she left behind, but you might be onto something. Maybe it's something that happened in her childhood that she doesn't want to uh, be remembered by. Um, uh, you know, whenever it was that she was a kid. So yeah, you might be onto something there. Um, and then we also get the opportunity to see Larry, uh, who's struggling with the idea of like balancing these multiple lives that he's had with his family and then with his um his lover on the side sort of thing um so that should be that's, that's gonna be pretty fascinating and i also love the one thing i love about larry's storyline also is that we're now getting the opportunity especially towards the end of this episode to kind of see him finally working out how to work like work together with this other side of him uh this other side that he necessarily can't control like the note that he winds up leaving like we need to set some ground rules sort of thing i love the fact that he's at least taking that attempt to to work things out and make that connection so that hopefully he does have some sort of control over everything that's happening to him very very caitlin killer frostish when then when it was right yeah that's that's exactly what that is like yeah the highlight of this episode to me, honestly, 
of everything for me because I keep bringing her up because I keep wanting to talk about her. It's Crazy Jane. Yeah, Crazy Jane, man. Um, I, I was really surprised by her last week in episode one. And I think for me, she was probably one of the, I, she's easily become one of my more fascinating characters in here. Her and Robot Man are probably my two favorite. Um, the fact that we see Crazy Jane being thrown up out of this donkey uh, and then we get the opportunity to see her showcasing even more of her personalities. Um, so let's break down just some of the personalities that we get showcased in here. We get Baby Girl, which I'm assuming is like a little girl that we see Cyborg trying to talk to. Uh, we've got Katie or Flaming Katie, I believe they might call her the chick that winds up turning to the, like a human torch, practically, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. The one that they weren't supposed to talk to. Yeah, exactly. So we got her. Uh, we also got uh lucy who's the one that um has the electricity Especially. abilities yeah mm -hmm. we saw her um and then they had okay then they had this one chick that they, we, they didn't even give the name to but literally the words that she would say she could turn into freaking blades that was the craziest shit i've ever seen man that was like the freakiest special effects i saw i thought it was like comic book word bubbles like That's they wanted us to know, which, and then when it started flying at them, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I've never then, seen that before. Yeah, and then I'm looking at Robot Man like, you're a robot. What are you afraid of? <laughs> She's got the, she, she turns this word into a sword and it's up to his neck. And I'm like, bro, why are you scared of this? Like, you're, you, nothing can happen to you right now. Right? Unless she stabs you in the head, you're good. <laughs> I, I just thought it was the coolest just the coolest special effect I had ever seen, man. You're right. I've never, I've never seen anything like that before. It was, it was visually moving, and it kind of made me mad because I started thinking of shows like uh, Arrow, and I started thinking about all four, or five, or six of the freaking Black Canaries that they had on a television show, and I got mad that they never screamed words. Like you know what I'm saying? It came oh, out, and then you yeah. saw the word come out at you along with like the you know what i'm saying a little tunnel for the cry that reminds me of like some scott pilgrim versus the world stuff exactly so yeah you, you could tell the inspiration of where you know what i'm saying that type of stuff comes from and that, that that was like a spotlight for me because that that i i forgot about i was liking robo man and all that and i'm like man crazy jane is is she killing it right now even on the couch when she's going through the, don't touch me no please touch me <laughs> yeah, dude, the crazy yeah. personalities. I gotta, I gotta think that as an actor, she's she's gotta love this role, dude. The fact that she could just tap into all these different personalities whenever she wants to, and we're just sitting back like, wow, like she's got a there's a ton of them in there, bro. And I, I love the fact also that we get to see Robot Man discovering the tapes of just like all her personalities. And I think this is going to be a great opportunity for him to learn about each of them so that he can really continue to form that bond between him and, and Crazy Jane. Because there's definitely a bond there. Would you agree? Yes, Mo, Mo's definitely. He has a thing for her. She, uh, she has a thing for him. At least Jane does. I'm not going to talk about the other 62 personalities. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what kind of bond that is because... I don't, I don't feel it. I, I don't think it's getting to relationshipy. Do you, do you think that's where it's gonna go, or do you? Because I almost feel like they appreciate each other in a different way. I think, than, like, I think it's more of uh, he. I think it, why he keeps having these flashbacks of the 
the nasty stuff with his family and stuff like that, that he just wants to have an honest, healthy relationship, no matter if it's a friendship, you know what I'm saying, something romantic, he just wants a healthy relationship. And the funny thing to me is the healthy relationship you're seeking is with the craziest person on the show. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's going to be very interesting because she might be the closest thing to how upset and stuff his wife was. She might she might remind him glimpses of when his wife used to be mad at him and stuff like that, because he looked he looked heartbroken as much as a robot can look heartbroken when Baby Doll came out and was like just swooning over Cyborg and he's sitting there <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I'm you know he just had that look on his robot face like, hey, I'm full robot. He's only part robot. He should <laughs> like me. And then when they came out, oh, get that, get that thing out of here. It's ugly. He literally looked like he wanted to cry if he could. Yeah, so, and, and I, I think we talked about this too when we did our Titans review for, um, for the Doom Patrol episode. I think even back then I said, there, there's something about the way that they filmed this guy. Like they filmed Robot Man, Brandon Fraser's voice, like just his voice acting alone, the, the, the lighting of his eyes, his eyebrows or eyelashes, whatever it is that they're functioning. For for somebody that literally has no expression, it, the 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 emotions that they express from this guy is is ridiculous. It, it gets you every time. Yeah, they light up the eyes right. They might drop an eyebrow. You know what I'm saying? He might tilt his head the right way. It's is I don't. It's like it's almost like you know how they normally do. They let the they let the voice actor watch the footage, and then he tries to put his voice over what he's seeing to try to get, you know, to, to get it right. I feel like they do it the reverse way. I feel like Brendan Fraser goes in there, lays down all his lines, and I might be totally wrong. And then they do the CG to how his lines sound. Mm. Well, I don't think that's, I don't think all of that's CG. I mean, I do think that that's, or you mean like CG is for like his, his eyes and stuff? Cause yeah, I, like, cause I know yeah. it's a practical suit for sure. But you mean, you mean like CG for his eyes and his movements yeah, and things like, like that? Yeah, like facial expressions and stuff like that. To, okay. to exactly yeah. how his voice is influxing and everything like that. And that that's honestly how they get, they get, oh, he must feel like this. And then they try to get that right. And it actually makes you feel like a robot, which, we know this is a human brain and a robot body. So shouldn't he actually technically be an android rather than a robot? We're not going to get into that. that yeah, that's, that's, that's something for the page. That's something for the page. That's some deep science I can't get into right now. <laughs> but it makes you feel like this, like he's actually alive, like, like full body alive and has emotions and can touch and feel. And it's just like in the first episode when he walked outside and it was like, uh, you want to go outside, get some fresh air? And Larry's talking oh, about, yeah. oh, can you feel the one? He's like, well, I can't feel anything. <laughs> yeah. And then and there was, I think it was another scene too, where he like, uh, at the end of the other episode where he's, he's like sitting down and he's like beating his head against something. And he's like, I can't even feel pain, doc. Like I, I little things like that. I'm just, you, you got to feel for the guy, man. You really do. Yeah. But it will be good. And he walks funny. When, when he does walk funny. Super bow legged man, like his legs are just all in. He, he does, he walks and runs funny for sure. Yeah, but I think they're trying to uh, bait, I think they're really trying to point out the fact that Cyborg is the superior um, robotic human being because they they show flashes of that the entire episode. He, he got the donkey with no problem, he got Crazy Jane to talk to him, though, you know what I'm saying, without very little problem. He 
yeah. So, oh, speaking of which, you, you said the word Flash. Flash does get a nod in this week's episode also. Yes. I think it's ba- Baby Girl mentions the Flash to Cyborg today, or in this, in this week's yeah, episode. Like, I, I, I like you. Yeah, I like you so much better than the Flash. And he's like, can I tell you a secret? You promise not to tell nobody? And she's like, what? He's not that fast. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I loved it. I loved it. I, I, I'm so glad that they're not afraid to take nods at comic book characters and other affiliations in here. I, I'm really glad that they keep it all like that. Yeah, that was really good. I, I um, so, so yeah, so I I, I love uh, Crazy Jane. Um, and even towards the end of this episode, we also see uh, the Hangman's daughter winds up showing up at the very end, doing one of her fantastic paintings. Um, she actually she actually drew two things in this episode. The first thing that she winds up drawing, uh, I believe she draws something for the chief, but I'm almost under the impression that she also, she drew, you think she drew that huge map for the chief with all her personalities and like how they're all like sort of connected to each other, that robot man. Do you think that's something that, that, um, that she wind up drawing herself? Yeah, I think everything that was up there, she did. She did? Okay. So, yeah, so we've got that from her in this episode. And then at the end, we also see what seems to be like a a, a prophetic sort of uh, painting of something that could potentially be happening in the future where you see just robot, excuse me, robot man, where you see just Cyborg holding a body in his arms and the rest of the Doom Patrol laying on the ground dead. And I, I couldn't remember who it was that he was holding. Maybe it was Elastic Woman, I'm not quite sure. But she's showing a very tragic uh, scene here for Cyborg and the rest of the Doom Patrol. Um, do you think that could potentially be where we're headed here for the season finale, maybe? Could be. And if he was smart, he go get help. That's the who, one Cyborg? Thing yeah, that's the one thing I don't know about these superheroes. You got all these other superheroes, and you don't ask for help. Nah, he's got a team, man. He's going to try and work what he's got. Man, I'm calling Superman. <laughs> Any chance yeah. I get. Hey, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> for real, man. For this real. dude keep bothering us. <laughs> Do you think we'll see any Titans on this show? Um, I can see Dick. I can definitely see you seeing, you know what I'm saying, Dick pop up. Because, and the reason I say that is, with Cyborg learning how to be a leader, uh, with Dick coming to his own, because you know he went through his whole thing with trying to come back into being a leader of the team or having that type of role, um, it's something that he can learn. And you should be able to learn from somebody else who went through the same trials and tribulations as you. And since we had a guest spot of Doom Patrol on Titans, why not? But the reason why I don't want it to happen, let it be something it has it's weird maybe a continuation of the episode that we saw maybe like a different view of it like the one they had on titans because i like when shows do that too like they give the right. uh, same episode from a different perspective i don't want to see too much because if it happens if this takes place later which it doesn't because we're starting but like the episode takes place later and what's going on in titans is going to give away what happens in titans so yeah i i think if you do do it maybe have it as like a flashback sequence with maybe like maybe because Cyborg is in Detroit, who's to say that maybe he hasn't had a run-in with Robin at some point? So, like, you could probably maybe do a flashback sequence for Cyborg of him maybe meeting with Dick Grayson at some particular point as Robin. You could probably do that. Because, honestly, I don't really know. I'm assuming that this series takes place, uh, I don't want to say after the Titan series, but definitely after. Well, I guess it has to be after the Titan series because... Um, that Doom Patrol episode was literally 
a part of the whole entire series. Like, it, it fits into the whole entire Titan series. So, this series definitely feels like it has to have taken place after season one of Titans in some capacity. So, yeah, it might be more difficult to have it current day unless it's a flashback, I think. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Like I said, I, w- I would love just that episode, that Doom Patrol episode from a different perspective. Let, let us see how they saw everything. You know, because we saw everything from a Titans perspective. Let us see how everything, I really want to see what they thought coming in, how they got there, you know, and everything like that. Yeah, they could, they could, they could definitely pull that off. Whose perspective would you like to see it from though? Robot man. Mm, okay. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I would be down for that. But uh, man, okay. Um, any, I guess uh, technically that's all the spots that I had written down on my notes for this uh, show review. Um, is there anything in particular that I might have missed, Indy, that you want to talk about, or your final thoughts on this particular week's episode? No, not really. We we knocked everything. Everything that you had on your papers. Everything I want to talk about. I'm just really looking forward to next week. Yeah, I'm, I've been really impressed uh, so far with what we've gotten. Um, so, yes, I'm definitely looking forward to it. But, guys, that is all that we have for you guys for Episode 2 review of Doom Patrol. Um, but those are just our A-plus opinions. We also want to know your A-plus opinions. So please comment below at the bottom, guys. And if you haven't subscribed to us yet, please go ahead and do so, as we will, in fact, be reviewing for the, uh, Doom Patrol for you guys for the remainder of the season and continuing on with these DC Universe reviews. So if you want to get those reviews, you got to go ahead and subscribe guys so go ahead and do so and click that bell notification so anytime we drop a brand new video you will certainly be notified um also check us out on our twitter page our facebook page instagram uh and until next time we'll talk with you guys later thanks bye keep it a plus